Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Traore with Watkins available. Traore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big club mate, so... Gather around villains and welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, our podcast all about our beloved Aston Villa. We're recording just 24 hours after the frantic draw at home to Leeds United, um, which also ended our friends, our good friend Dan's... 10-year Villa Park exile. Unfortunately, he's not on tonight to talk about it, but he seemed to be enjoying it, um, certainly in the pub beforehand. Um, so we'll go through the fallout from that and look ahead to an intriguing showdown on Sunday as Villa travel to, to face a resurgent Newcastle. I'm Andy, and I'm delighted once again to be joined by Craig. Hi, Andy, and uh, hi, listener, and Obviously, hello to, to Daniel. Absolutely delighted that he got to visit uh, Fuller Park for the first time in 10 years. And what better uh, company, what better chaperone than you, Andy, <laughs> to show him the ropes and uh, introduce him to the bottom of a couple of ale glasses. Absolutely. I, well, I got to the pub yesterday and he, he'd already been there for an hour. So uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> he got a good head start on me. Uh, so, yeah, but it, it was it was it was great. And we met up with some some other people as well and um uh jack our friend jack from uh 7500 to halt or formerly if i'm not sure if he still writes for them um but he was over from new york so we, we bumped into him too so that was great great to see him um but what we'll do craig i think we'll 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 change the from the chronological convention and we'll start with the negatives in this game and move on to the nice bit uh, later on in the podcast if 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 that's all right um we'll start with the Leeds goals and the first one on nine minutes as uh, Dan James sort of finished a quite a smart move really um and he sort of rolled the ball through through Conza's legs um and then you know later just before half time he, he doubled his tally then after another excellent Leeds Leeds passing move inside the penalty area Ended with um, Dan Jones bundling the ball home ahead of Tyro Mings um, to draw it back to to three two at the time. Um, obviously, there's always disappointment, you know, when Villa concede these goals, and and usually Mings gets the blame. But is there a case that these two were just very well constructed um, goals, and there wasn't much really Villa could have done, or, or, or was was there blame attached to these goals? Where there's blame, there's a claim. No, um, <laughs> I think that I think that there's, there's there's always normally in every every goal there's a mistake somewhere. You know, at Premier League level, um, I think that um, it was a really interesting game. I think that defensively there were there were there were some serious <laughs> problems yesterday. Clearly against Leeds, 
conceding three goals at home is is really poor. I mean, but we did also concede three goals at home to them last season as well without reply. So I suppose we're improving in one way. We were able to respond, but they're also without their two best players, arguably. Uh, well, two of their three best players, I'd say uh, Rafinha, Calvin Phillips and Bamford are probably Leeds' most important players. And two of those three were missing. So this isn't a vintage Leeds side. It's also a, a Leeds team that have spent the majority of the season stuck in the bottom six. So when you see Villa conceding goals like that, anytime Mings is anywhere near it, you just know what's going to happen on Twitter. Um, Konza normally gets a free pass, which is, which is incredibly interesting to me. Um, I think that Konza actually does a lot of, of, of hiding behind Mings. Um, in in general play, I don't think Konza takes the responsibility that, that Mings Mings does. Mings takes the ball out. You know, I thought we saw yesterday he was running with the ball. He was trying to start attacks. We saw Mings involved with a couple of the the moves that, that for the goals we scored against Manchester United. Um, but I will say there is an argument to be made in particularly leads his first goal that Mings has an opportunity to clear his lines and doesn't. And then on their the, the, their third goal. You know, you've got to look at the uh, you've got to look at the, the 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 damage being done in terms of us not being able to clear our lines. It's like Mings was on his own in there. It's like he's responsible for heading everything. He's responsible for clearing everything. He, he's cleared two or three off the line, and um, it's like, well, where are you, Ezri Konza? Where are you, Matty Cash? Where are you, Luca Dean? Where's Emmy Martinez? It, it was. I felt that Mings was kind of hung out to dry a little bit against Leeds. Um, but yeah, I, I think things could have been done to stop them. I think it's three really poor goals to concede. And I think that it, it, it speaks to a more fen- fundamental issue than personnel. Um, uh, uh, Alex Berwick, I think on Twitter, um, does a very good job of summarising. And there's a, there is, in my opinion, a fundamental problem with the team shape under um, Steven Gerrard. And I think that we have way too many gaps and I think that you could drive the Spanish Armada, you could sail the Spanish Armada through some of the gaps that we have in midfield and defence. And while we continue, <laughs> again, uh, <laughs> the risk of repeating myself, why we continue to have to score two, three, four goals every week to win games of football, we're not going to. It's just as simple as that. No, well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? And, you know, another game where we've, we've kind of fallen behind... Um, you know, nine minutes we were we were on top in that game, and then one reasonable move, not a lot of um, what I would call aggression, um, not a lot of closing down, um, and it felt all too easy really for Leeds. It was a it was a comfortable finish. It wasn't they, 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 it didn't feel like they had to get out of second gear to to actually to actually score that goal. I actually thought the the second goal. Um, Dan Jones scored, although it it, it, it felt scrappy because of the finish and how it ended up in the net, um, was actually a beautifully constructed goal um, inside our penalty area, you know, and that's part of why you know I, I kind of regard Leeds as a bit of an anomaly um, under Bielsa because despite the fact that they generally have you know a, a bit of a misfit bunch of players really. Um, that they've brought up from the championship. Um, they've added to it, obviously. They've got some good players. Obviously, Rafinha is, a, is an excellent player. Jack Harrison's a very good player. But, um, you know, 
they're they're a bit of a misfit bunch, but they they just click so so well. And on their day, they they take anyone to the cleaners. So I just think they're that good. They just know every pattern of play inside out, um, and it's very very difficult to stop it. It's very very difficult to when they get on a get on a roll. It's very difficult to break them up. Um, obviously, te- teams can do it, and the the fact that they are you know a lot of them perhaps wouldn't get necessarily uh, places in other Premier League teams if they weren't at Leeds um, I don't know they, they, I, I just think I just think they're a, you know it's, it's an incredible thing it's like it's it's a bit of a mystery really how, how they do it and how Bielsa continues to get these performances uh, out of these players but um, certainly um, if you look at the goals as a whole um, they might look at you know that second one looks a bit scrappy, but I thought it was an excellent goal. I really, yeah. Did. I think I think I think there was some misfortune in that one. I think that was a, a nice move um, from Leeds. I do agree um, that the cutback, the intricacy. I think we weren't particularly sharp, and then there was a little bit of misfortune. I think the cross uh, from uh, was it Rodrigo um, bounces off Douglas Louise that could go anywhere you know from a Villa point of view you want it to loop up and, and be caught in the loving arms of Emi Martinez or you want it to go out for a corner so we can reset um, but fortunately it didn't it kind of looped off Douglas Louise inadvertently and then went to the back post where I don't know quite what happened it seems Mings couldn't really Mings and Buendia and James it was like a bit of a you know it was a bit of a three-way uh, it was like a menage a trois in there they were all <laughs> covering the same blade of grass and uh, from there, it's very difficult to 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 do anything about it because the the, the momentum is with the uh, with the attacking side, and um, and and there was some misfortune, and also with the third goal, similarly that cross loops off of uh, John McGinn's foot, I believe, and 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 lands fortuitously for Leeds onto their guy's head. Uh, Mings is able to get a foot to it on the line, and then the guy hammers in the rebound. So there was a little bit of a fortune to it, but I think that. As I said on on last week's show when we were previewing this game, I think leads are quite easy to deal with in terms of a low block sorts them out because they don't necessarily they don't necessarily always have the the ability to punish you. You know, leads are fantastic at basketball. I think even Gerard said. Uh, use the basket or Gerard or McGinn in, in the afternoon. Uh, someone said, "Use the basketball analogy that we've spoken about." Leeds are very, very good at basketball. West Ham tried to play basketball with them a couple of weeks ago, and West Ham took a beating. Villa tried to play basketball with them, and, and are probably in the end lucky to get away with a point. I think if you go harem scareem toe to toe with Leeds, they can do that to any team. And I think that uh, Dean Smith learnt the hard way after the three 0 thrashing at Villa Park, and then he subsequently went to. Ellen Road and did a job on them. He was like, all right, fullbacks stay there, defenders stay here. We're going to plug the midfield. Mings, you're going to go long to Watkins, feed off the scraps. El Ghazi gets a goal and we basically parked the bus, took the three points. I don't think Leeds are difficult to beat if you if you are if you have the humility to do away with your own game plan to accommodate them but I think that managers Dean Smith was guilty of this and I think Gerard was guilty of this yesterday they have the hubris don't they you have to have a bit of ego about you if you're a manager they think no no my team can go and beat these and for Dean Smith at home last year and for Stephen Gerrard last night at home against Leeds they were badly mistaken you, you 
go toe-to-toe with Leeds at your peril. I don't care who you are. Yeah, that is true. I just wonder about the the optics of um, kind of rounding up the wagons at home to the, to a team that's, like you say, in the bottom six, um, you, you know, missing missing their best players, all that kind of thing. If you go and set yeah. up like that at home... That that is a consideration you know, for sure, but then what are the optics of throwing away a two goal lead to a team in no, the bottom exactly. six, and what are the yeah. optics of coming away with a point versus coming away with the three points? Now you were there yesterday, and you know I I'm not in your head, so you can tell the listeners how you were feeling on the walk back to the car after you, after the full time whistle. Would you have felt better having watched that th- that six goal thriller and come away with a point, or would you been would have been better? Would you would would you and you've been happier with a a one nil win uh, akin to the to the win away at Ellen Road with Al Ghazi scoring the goal last season? Firstly, I'll make it clear that I wasn't in the car because I'd had six or seven pints with Dan before the match. <laughs> <laughs> I was on your way defi- to the train. <laughs> I was definitely on the train. Uh, <laughs> if anyone from. Uh, West Midlands Police is listening. Um, no, the, I, I, the police I, don't uh, don't investigate retrospective no, crimes anymore. And you're all right. You're, you're fine. Over, t- over 24 hours ago, it doesn't matter now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was I was frustrated walking out of Villa Park. I, I I felt like I'd seen, and we'll talk about the 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 exciting bit of the game in in a little while. But I felt like I'd seen some really good, really encouraging, exciting football from Villa um, for the first time in, in a long time really where we did we you know we we, we were um, electric um, but then I've, I've I've seen this kind of just surrender it really um, you know and and and, and the, that third that, that third goal is a real just a real killer for me it's it was a real disappointment to see that go in um, it was coming like you say Mings had, had, had cleared two off the line um, in fairly quick succession, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the attack had continued and, and again he was called on to, to try and hook, hook a ball away. And I just felt like he, from his body position and the, the, the way the ball fell to him, it was one of them where all he could really do is get a toe on it and... And try and shunt it away, and of course it just fell 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 to Lorente, who who um, again it's one of them, isn't it? We talked about it before. It feels like whenever there's a, an error or even a half error, we just get the maximum punishment every time, and it's 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 a really tough one to take. Um, and at that point, it felt like we'd had our spell. We 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 were never going to necessarily get up a head of steam again. I think I'm not sure if Buendia had already gone off by that stage, but he was certainly going to go off eventually. And then um, Coutinho went off as well. And you sort of think, well, what are we going to do here? You know, it's it was it was it was very disappointing to to concede that goal because that felt like the game then. And at that point, you you felt like it was only if a team was going to win it, it was it was going to be Leeds really. But um, yeah, I mean. Like I say, walk, walking away, I'm, I'm disappointed, and I, I would have been much happier with a a, a scrappy one nil. To answer your question, and I think I think that's that's the key. I mean, I mean, I wasn't there, um, but I can imagine for for Daniel, we can we can get his thoughts uh, next week. Um, I imagine for Daniel, you know, being back, 
you know, for the first time in 10 years, it's going to be like, wow, look, you know, it's a six goal thriller. It was, it was incredible. You know, what an experience, what an evening of football. Um, so I can see that side of it. But fundamentally, we're trying to win. I think we're still fighting for something this, this season. Even if we're not fighting for Europe or battling relegation, I think we're still fighting for momentum. We're still fighting for new signings. We're fighting for a higher league position so the likes of Eve Basuma may choose to sign for us over maybe a more uh, established European outfit. Maybe Coutinho will consider staying with us and putting pen to paper on, on, on a deal to become a Villa player full-time. I think if we, you know, if Coutinho is playing for a team that just concedes so many goals, I think it's difficult to see him with his undoubted quality, which we're going to talk about in a minute, thinking that this is going to be the right place for him. I remember there was a game, I want to say 96-97, could be wrong. It was away at Newcastle, ironically. It was live on Sky TV, I think it was a Wednesday night, and uh, Newcastle won 4-3, but Dwight York scored a hat-trick. And I think I read subsequently in an interview with Dwight York that he realised that was the day he knew he needed to leave Aston Villa because Newcastle were a top team at that point in time. Villa were also a top team competing in the top four um, at that point in time. And Dwight York went there, scored a hat-trick, had the game of his life and still ended up on the losing side. So I fear with us conceding silly goals like this, I fear with us being, un being unable to control games that someone like Coutinho or someone like Basuma from the outside looking in or other potential signings who might be on Villa's radar for the summer might look at this clown car of a defensive unit and think twice about joining us. And that frightens me a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a worry. Um, reminds me slightly of the um, the, 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 the nearly... Um, Nearly champions uh, Liverpool side that Gerard played in under under Rodgers, where undoubtedly if they'd have conceded even ten less goals all season, they'd have won that league title. Um, but it, they just conceded for far too many goals. Fortunately, they had a front three of Suarez, uh, Sturridge, and Sterling who um, made sure that they they were in a position where they they could score three and four goals a game to to, to win. Um, but yeah, they would. They, they but were, even then, it, it wasn't well. enough. No, exactly. Yeah. And although they, you know, they, they had a really good season, but they they fell short. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's 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 a really it's a really tough one, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I I just have a feeling with this defense that um, you know they'll be making some decisions about certain players. I think in 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 the summer. Um, I think I think the defence, the, certainly the back, the the, the two centre backs are um, they're on trial. I feel like they're on trial. I think everyone's Gerard. on trial now, Andy. I think we've seen when you're when you're Player of the Year, Players Player of the Year. <laughs> it gets, you know, even two months ago, if we had said, "Oh, Matt Target's going to be leaving in January," we'd have said, "What? No, yeah. he's not. Don't be, yeah. don't be ridiculous." Like. Things are moving so so quickly that even our Players Player of the Year last season or Fans Player of the Year, whatever he was, target, Aston Villa Player of the Year last year, he's gone. I watched him play very well, by the way, for Newcastle against uh, uh, Everton. Thankfully, target won't be available for, for, for the Sunday's fixture. So it isn't just it isn't just Konza and it isn't just um, uh, Mings. It's everybody. Everybody not named, I think, probably Jacob Ramsey or, or Philip Coutinho. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> or Brendier, I think, is playing himself into that kind of into that kind of position as well. Um, I think is on the chopping block. Cash, Konza, Mings, um, all of them, all of them need to um, all of them need to look over their shoulder. But but again, in their defence, in defence of the defence, I think that the team shape leaves them dangerously overexposed. I think that we get overran and I think that they're just being asked to do far, far too much. They're being asked to cover unbelievable amounts of grounds. And while, you know, you're not going to get too many better athletes than Tyrone Mings or Esri Konza in terms of centre-backs in this league, both of them are big, strong, athletic, both of them quick over the ground. Um, but they are just being asked to cover so much ground, it's almost impossible. I mean, if we look at the first goal that Aston Villa conceded, Tyrone Mings is at left-back, and Daniel James has a pass on, um, even if he doesn't shoot, to a man who's completely open for a tap-in, should he have chosen to pass. Because Luca Dean was playing as a left-sided forward. And that's not me criticising Luca Dean, that's what he's being asked to do. But that gap meant that Mings has to go over, then Konza has to go over, and then Cash was caught marking two players. And any kind of ball across the box anyway from that Dan James uh, chance where he took the shot is basically a tap-in for Leeds anyway because the shape was wrong, the structure was all wrong and the midfield weren't covering the runners. So it also rests, as, as much as the defence are being hammered, there, real, there also is some responsibility for the likes of Douglas Ruiz, John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey, as good as he was going forward. They have to provide the centre-backs with a lot more protection than they are doing. That doesn't absolve the centre-backs from blame, Andy, but it is a team game and you defend from the front. And, that, and, that, and you're right, you're playing in um, Leeds' wheelhouse there, aren't you? With, um, you know, if you're allowing your defence to become that stretched and, and that kind of um, overloaded, um, you, you, you are, you, you know, that they, they will pass around you all day um, and create chances. So, yeah, probably probably the wrong setup um, in hindsight, but um, what a match. I just wanted to ask you quickly about. Um, Ezri Konza, obviously, you know, it's another another bad move, another uh, bit of bad news for the defence. With um, just with about ten minutes to go, he's 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 uh, tried to stop the the goalkeeper um, launching a quick attack, and and he's he's gone in on the on the on the keeper with his elbow in his head um, before he's, <laughs> as he's trying to release the ball. Um, it, it was obviously it's hard to say that with a straight face, isn't it? It's so yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Even... And I remember yeah. seeing it at the time and thinking, have I missed something here? Um, because he was complaining about it. But I mean, it was an obvious second yellow and I've seen, I mean, we've all seen straight reds, I think given for less. Um, and the, uh, critically, I think Gerard seen, you know, really quite unhappy with Konza for this after the game. He said, you know, absolutely a red card. He didn't kind of, you know, say anything negative, but I get the feeling he was looking to bring Danny Ings on, you know, to really go for it. And he ended up having to to bring the defender on instead in Callum Chambers. Um, but just going into, into Sunday, obviously he'll miss that game now. Um, do you think he could be, his place could be under threat? I hope so. And I don't mean that yeah. as anything against Konza. I mean that for all the players. I, I I believe in competition for places. It's one of the reasons I was so disappointed that uh, Target was allowed out on loan because I think that everyone should be scrapping and fighting to be in this first eleven. I think 
too many players, uh, particularly under Dean Smith, one criticism, and, and that might not be Dean Smith's fault, it could be to do with squad depth, but a problem that we've certainly had since promotion to the Premier League is we know if certain players are fit, they're going to play come what may. And that is, you know, you're always going to have one or two of those, but we have six, seven or eight of those that just know if they're fit, they're going to be playing. And I think that um, it's going to be nice for Konza to have some competition it's going to be nice for Mings to have some competition the same for the rest of the players now Konza um Konza is an interesting one because Konza has had maybe other than Jacob Ramsey who's now moving to a new level I want to say that Konza is probably one of the players who is most improved under Dean Smith and now Steven Gerrard from when we signed him we're talking about a championship centre-half. He came in for Engels here or there. Well, we saw him in the Cups in his very first season. Uh, Konza was, he was okay, but he was a, he was a little tentative, you know, a little, a little nervous. And he's really grown into a bit of a Rolls-Royce of, of a defender. And that rise has been so meteoric and fast. Like, he's got so good so quickly, has Konza, that I think now we're beginning to see a... I'm not going to say regression, but certainly that progress has stalled. He seems to have hit a bit of a wall and whether or not he can rise above that wall or, or that ceiling to, to go onto a new plane and establish himself as an England international, which I think is what he wants to do, is really going to be up to Konza now because I think that the improvements seem to have stopped. I don't think he's gone backwards necessarily. I think, as mentioned earlier, that the, the system that Gerard employs exposes him and, and, and puts him in situations like he was here where he got sent off, ridiculous, uh, like like he was in this game where he had a, a ropey one. But you can question the decision making because this is the second time he's done this. He did a bonkers challenge against uh, West Ham. Wasn't that some kind of karate chop or yeah. some kind of yeah. thing? He grabbed him around the neck or something. Uh, yeah. Was it Bowen? And yep. he got sent off in the West Ham game. And then we go on. I think that game was 1-1 was or 2-1 at that moment in time. And we go on to lose that game 4-1. So that sending off against West Ham at home earlier this season was particularly costly. And that was in the five-game defeat uh, running, the five-game running defeat streak that saw bye-bye <laughs> saw Dino. And yesterday's wasn't as costly. Uh, we didn't lose the game, thankfully. But it was just absolutely bonkers. So is this a player who is frustrated that a bit like Target apparently has had his nose put out of joint by the fact that someone is now breathing down his neck for his place as starting right-sided centre-back? Or is this just a player who's fatigued? You know, a young player, maybe he's had too much football in the last couple of years and he needs a few weeks off to, to reset. Uh, but these lapses are going to stop him from progressing to the next level. And this kind of thing is certainly not going to encourage Gareth Southgate to call Esri Konzerot for England. I think that, if anything, this kind of thing is going to knock him way down the pecking order. Yeah, I think I, th- I get the feeling Konzer's probably quite a, quite a long way um, from from getting called up. If you look at you know the kind of season that like Webster's having and, and Ben White and, and and players like that, so I think he's he's a way off really. Um, and yeah, he. I mean, what he needs, what him and him and Tyro Mings needs, is is a run of of games, like you say, of of of, of really solid um, performances where there's there aren't these um, these these goal giveaways that we've we've talked about and we've been talking about for 
ever since you've been on the podcast, Craig, <laughs> a year ago. You know, we've been talking about these these goals, and last season it was far better. You know, there was there was more far better. We were, we were a lot more solid, um, but this season it feels like ever since day one, the Watford game. At least once every two games, we're talking just about this bonkers yeah. goals, right? Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of that Watford game. I'm just having nightmares of Saar just rinsing target and just uh, just a scoring, just just everyone scoring such easy goals against us. Yeah, yeah. And, two and, and, stupid and, and penalties against Chelsea. It is. It's all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mistake mistakes as well. Going, you know, getting really, really punished. Um, as you as you expect at this level. To, to be honest, um, but it was disappointing from Konza, and particularly, you know, you look over at the touchline, and Danny Ings is ready to come on, and you're thinking, well, maybe we're going to have a go and try and win this, and then of course um, uh, we had to had to change change the plan very quickly, but we'll 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 leave that behind, and we'll we'll talk about the unbelievable 15 minute spell. Uh, at the end of the first half um, it's, it's, it's all been a bit dour we can we can cheer up now let's turn up the volume do 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 all right sorry go on absolutely well no i mean it was it was um it was a spell that was was made in rio de janeiro and uh with a bit of great bar um thrown in um <laughs> Which which should have really seen off leads. Um, first of all, after a, after a reasonably quiet twenty minutes, um, Coutinho began to really show his class, and then on thirty minutes, a low cross from from Matty Cash found the Brazilian, and he finished really sharply. His first touch was was incredible, and it was just so effortless. I think, um, and I think that was the the impressive thing about it. But just. Talk talk to me about his performance overall. What what really impressed you about Coutinho last night? I don't want to be, uh, and and we have been very dour so far. So if you if you if you if you're plugged in, we're we're about to we're about I I'm about to plug in my hyperbole machine, and and I might go overboard. <laughs> I think that Felipe Coutinho might be the most talented player that I have ever seen play for Aston Villa. Not the best player, obviously not the player with the most impact because it is, we're three games in, we don't know if the impact is going to be any good at all. You know, he, he, he went off injured and hopefully he is in one piece, Coutinho that is. So this may just be lightning in a bottle that we get to enjoy. You know, think of it as as like a... A, a, a holiday romance you know you're, you're away in uh, Magaluf and you meet someone lovely and it only lasts a few days but you remember those few days for the, for the rest of your life and it was just wonderful it's magical maybe it's that I'm not saying that this is going to be something for the next four years but I will tell you I feel as though this might be the most talented footballer that I've ever seen in an in an Aston Villa shirt just the weight of pass is just perfection the first touch the awareness we talk about the best players seeing 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 the picture before it happens it's like Coutinho's playing in in, in slow motion and he looked like he was playing in slow motion against the most frantic team in the Premier League 
they're they are rushing everywhere. They're running around like uh, like like Mo Farah on. And I probably shouldn't shouldn't go any further with that one. They're they're <laughs> running around frantically. Okay, leads are and Coutinho looks like he's he's it's like he's like Neo in the Matrix. He's like the the agents are trying to get to him, but he's just moving so much quicker than they are. His speed of thought, his his dexterity of touch. His fluid movement. He even looked like he had a bit of pace, actually, for one of the goals, uh, the second goal. He, he was moving at, at quite, at quite a lick. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't think he was quick. I, 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 but, I mean, <sighs> Gerard summed it up and, and said it best. And, and, and if Steve, Steven Gerard does nothing else for Aston Villa, if it all goes horribly wrong, which I, I hope is not the case, I will always thank him for that six months where we had uh, Philip Coutinho at Villa, if, the, if it is just to be six months. Because as Gerard said, and Gerard put it the best, um, if you can't enjoy watching Philip Coutinho, then you, you, you don't like football. And I, I think Gerard's bang on. Well, I think, I, th- I, think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it was, it was interesting, wasn't it, when we were in the midst of the, the transfer window and we'd signed Casino, and everyone was getting their knickers in a knot about signing a defensive midfielder. And I can remember thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a paying fan. You know, I, 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 I've watched Jack Grealish for the last four or five years, just absolutely tearing it up and loving every minute of it. Um, and he's gone. And now we've brought in this guy. I, these are the sort of players I want to watch when I go. I, I'm, yeah. I, I know every. T- I've, I'm not stupid. I know every team needs a defensive midfielder and players that do the hard yards. I understand that, but I can't get excited about signing a defensive midfielder. You know, but when we sign Coutinho, that really gets the blood pumping and um, just the name. It's just the name, and you know. The, the the knowledge of how how good he is and then when he when he comes in you know and he's he's probably still a way off match fitness I, I think he's nowhere near it I think he <laughs> might be 60 65 percent match fit yeah I think he's got I think Gerard is starting him to build that match fitness and build those match minutes yeah I don't think he's got more than half an hour in him at the minute from what I could now you were watching him live so but I don't think he's got more than half an hour I think he probably should be coming on for the last 30 minutes still as he did in the Man United game um, but hey whatever man this is where all the stuff the, the the shape all the moans about the defenses all the mistakes you know watching Coutinho yesterday and Ramsey I know you asked a question about Ramsey and I just skipped over him to go to Coutinho I'm going to come back to Ramsey but watching those two dovetail together Ramsey and Coutinho yesterday had me just feeling emotions and it's about feelings it's about how football makes you feel and I'm screaming at the TV you know the 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 the, the, the cat's getting upset with me obviously not as upset as Kurt Zuma's cat but um <laughs> upset all the same and um God. what a piece of what a piece yeah, of crap he is, by the way. Scumbag. What a honestly, I yeah. Anyway, I I, I won't. <sighs> I won't talk about that because I get actually upset. I I love my cat yeah. like like like. It, I probably love my cat to an unhealthy level, and so I couldn't even watch the video. As soon as I saw what it was, I didn't even watch it because I was like, this is just gonna haunt me. 
Um, anyway, what was I saying? Uh, Coutinho, um, absolutely, you know, spellbinding. I'm, I'm screaming. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm bouncing around, and he he does that. He 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 is a, a magician. He is the third most expensive player in the history of the game of football, in the history of the sport. And he plays for Aston Villa. And that brings a smile to my face. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, and like you say, it's, it's, this season it's almost like a bit of a free hit in that respect because we probably are a little bit, you know, we, 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 we'd be really pushing it now to get into Europe. We're not going to get relegated. It's, it is about entertainment and enjoyment now, isn't it? And we've got a player here that will will do that. Um, and we have other players who who also um, will add to that as well and add to that excitement. Um, so I don't really want to get too hung up on the the lack of a defensive midfielder or the <laughs> the you know whether you know who who makes more mistakes out of Mings and Konzits becoming like a new. Like version, a new culture war between those two, you know, your Mings fans well, the Ings, and Konza. The know. Ings and Watkins uh, has, has gone away, so now it's yeah. uh, Konza, Konza versus Mings. But yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, and 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 it is nice to to dream and to to to, to smile. But how much more would, would would be? How much more would I or you or Villa fans be smiling today on Thursday, February tenth, twenty twenty two, if we'd won that game four or five one? with a Jacob Ramsey hat trick and we were able to maintain that two goal lead. It's a, a bit for me like that John McGinn volley, which everyone always talks about from the Sheffield Wednesday game under Steve Bruce in the championship. I can never enjoy that volley as much as other people can because it still bugs me that we lost that game 2-1. So it's a little, and maybe that makes me, a, 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 maybe I'm just a, a sad sack, uh, <laughs> cynical individual who, who, you know, maybe I'm the fun police over here, but the, the link is, Coutinho is, he's, he's better than Grealish. Let's just start there. Far better player than, than Grealish ever ever was or ever will be. Um, and we can see that already. Yeah, Coutinho is, 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 is dancing in a different, in a, in a, in a, on a different dance floor. If we want to make this last, if we don't want this to be a few shags and a, and, and a, and a, and a walk along the beach in, in, in Magaluf, we want to make sure that we are building an infrastructure for Coutinho to be able to see his long-term future at Aston Villa. And the way that we do that is by addressing some of these defensive flaws, going on a push, I think, for the rest of the season. So I, I get what you're saying. Yes, yes, there is an element to let's just enjoy the season, but also we have to be thinking forward. If you want to keep Coutinho, if we want to sign Bissouma or whoever, we need to demonstrate that we are a serious club and serious clubs don't concede two or three goals every week Andy unfortunately no that is true that is true and you, you yeah of course of course you're right of course you're right we need that you need that all round progress I think I'm, I was just sort of latching onto the the idea <laughs> the romance. of the, uh, the romance of it and the the emotion of it and and certainly there was plenty of that during that fifteen minute spell, um, but the other half. Let's, of let's the, have a um, word for. Um, let's have a word I'm, for I'm, Jacob I'm Ramsey. Coming to, I'm coming up to it. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. <laughs> on the, the, I didn't. The, I, I didn't want us to leave this section without talking about Jacob Ramsey because he deserves no, it. Don't don't worry. It's all under control. <laughs> um, 
but the other half of the uh, the most unlikely double act, um, if you think about it, was of course our star boy Jacob Ramsey. Um, two excellent finishes from from delightful Coutinho assists. Um, the first running in behind uh, before steadying himself to finish low past the keeper, and then racing through um, from the right like a, a speedboat. Uh, around the back before uh, exquisitely uh, roofing his finish um, with power and panache. After the game, Gerard commented that he, he he feels Ramsey is keeping good company with the current England England midfielders. Um, it seems hard to believe after his largely uh, vanilla displays last season. Um, but what are the main improvements here, and and how high can he go, and how good was that performance yesterday? Yes. Sorry, I, I jumped the gun there. <laughs> a bit like a, a night, one night stand in Magaluf where you get too excited. No, <laughs> that's the last mention of Magaluf. I promise. I promise. Um, anyway, Jacob Ramsey, um, he'd be very popular in Magaluf. Anyway, that's uh, <laughs> that, that was. <laughs> so Jacob Ramsey, a great bar, some great bars in Magaluf. No, I'm not. Okay, that was the last one. I promise that's the last one. Um, Jacob Ramsey, all I can say is OMG, OM to the G, Andy, which is not something I think I've ever said before on the show. And the reason being is I, I didn't know what he was, Andy. I am not going to sit here and, and, and talk nonsense and, and, and try and kid anyone and say that I knew that this was coming from Jacob Ramsey when I, that I, or that I saw flashes of it last season when he was, as you said, largely vanilla uh, for, for Dean Smith. Um, the only thing I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see the goal threat. I saw in Jacob Ramsey a kind of, uh, I'll use the same word I used for, for, for Konza when he first came in from Brentford. I saw a tentative player who seemed to be a little bit overawed. He was technically tidy. Um, you can see he was athletic, good movement, um, you, um, a decent frame, and, and, and you can see he was going into it. But to me... I think my impression was last season, this is just a nice, tidy, cookie-cutter, academy product. They're neat and tidy, nothing nothing, nothing, nothing special. He was like an Ashley Westwood with, with biceps, um, <laughs> I think. But all my days, has, has he proved me wrong, Jacob Ramsey? He has absolutely... He's like a, a serpent. He shed... He has shed that skin, and whether it was, whether it was that first goal uh, where he, he not, he's banged one into the top corner against Arsenal, another game where we managed to concede, I think, three goals. Uh, ironically, um, he's just smashed one in the top corner against Arsenal. I want to say since then, he it's like he started to believe in himself, and he started to understand the Premier League a little bit better, and he started to get an understanding that okay. Well, technically, I can cope with everything here. Physically, at 19, 20, I'm only getting bigger and stronger. I'm as athletic as anybody here. I've got a decent turn of speed. And now, with him adding goals and assists to his game, he is moving towards the territory of players who cost a great deal of money. 
If you have a number eight who is good on the ball, retains possession, tidy, works hard for the team, all those good things. If you also have someone who's dynamic, athletic, with an eye for goal and an assist, is that five league goals already now? We're only yeah, in February. It's not out of the question that Ramsey could get into double figures from central midfield. Once you have a central midfielder who starts to be getting into double figures, and once he's 20 or 21 years old, and once he's English, I'm not trying to sell him, obviously, here, Andy, but you're starting to talk about 60, 70, 80, 90 million pounds worth of player. We're starting to talk about very, very serious numbers in terms of this kid's value. So... I don't know how high, how high he can go. I don't know how much he could improve because I didn't know that he had this in him anyway. So, you know, everything from now yeah. for me is a bonus. So from what Gerard's saying and from what we're seeing this season, it seems as though the sky is the limit. It seems as though we might have a bona fide England international. And it also seems like we might have a number eight for the next 10 years at Aston Villa. Yeah, I think I think this is it. It's, it's the... The excitement of having having brought through a player that that midfielder we've all, we've been looking for really. Um, it's been a long time since we've had a real, you know, top class goal scoring midfield. Obviously, we had we've had the uh, Conor Harahan in the in the championship scored a lot of goals from midfield. Um, but he, someone said to me um, today, actually, there are there are shades of Ian Taylor. About him, the way he makes mm. those forward runs, his finishing obviously is is excellent. You, you'll pop up in the box, but those runs he made yesterday in behind, and Taylor, you know, Taylor was obviously not as probably not as quick as um, as Ramsey, but it's the it's the timing of the run, isn't it? And then the the, the coolness to finish. I mean, the first goal, you know, he kind of slowed up and let the Leeds player sort of go past him and then he then he slotted the ball it's that awareness you know just that understanding of what he needs to do um which i mean it's it's an absolute it's a revelation like you say compared to how he was last season where he he just didn't look confident at all he he did look like he was he was kind of um uh just going through the motions a bit trying not to make a mistake you know Trying to fit in where he can, but but this season, and actually, I'd, I'd go back as far as the first game when he came on at half time against Watford, and he totally changed the way Villa were playing, you know, and he looked really, really dangerous, um, you know, and obviously we'd been pretty awful first half, but he certainly gave us more forward momentum, and and I think from there really he's he's he's, he's started to to nail down his place, and it's been a tricky. A tricky run for it. It's been very up and down, and he's he's seen his seen the change of manager um, and that sort of thing. Which you know you don't know how that's going to affect a player, but obviously he's just responded absolutely amazing to um, to having Gerard there, and and um, you know I, I I never had him down as this this type of I, I just never never had him down as a as a goal scoring midfielder, um, and certainly not one. Um, with the ability, you know, I mean, it was left foot and right foot, wasn't it, last night? You know, yeah, yeah, and and I mean, this is, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 proper exciting. I mean, he's he's he's, he's more of a, he's certainly more of a, a goal threat than Grealish. He's probably, 
you know, you wouldn't say he's as, he's as good as Grealish, but he's you'd back him to score more goals than Grealish for sure. Yeah, I think I think that the the Grealish comparisons are are, are natural because obviously um, Grealish is a, an academy product and Grealish came through the ranks a bit like Ramsey did. But um, I think I tweeted last night that um, Ramsey is light years ahead of where Grealish was in terms of his physical maturity and his emotional maturity. Touch wood, we're not seeing Ramsey, you know, smashing up cars. We're not seeing Ramsey passed out on the floor in Magaluf. I got it in again, Andy. (laughs) We're not seeing, we're not seeing, you know, I'm, I, I don't know him. I don't know the family. I don't have any connection to him whatsoever, other than we're both boyhood Villa fans. And, you know, we have a similar talent for football. But other than that, <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's, he seems to have a really, um, you know, a level head about him. You know, even Jack Grealish, I think, in the week was pictured. You know, he's in his, he's getting into his late twenties now. He's he's still up to the same old tricks, and I I wish Jack all the best from a personal standpoint. I hope that um, you know, um, I I don't want to make light of it. Um, if he's um, struggling or or, or whatever, I I don't want to speculate on that. But I hope if he is struggling, he gets any of the help that he needs. Um, but Jacob Ramsey seems to be made of different stuff in terms of his um, professionalism, in terms of his level-headedness, and in terms of his application and, and dedication to be a professional seven days a week, um, 365 days a year. So when you have those components, when you are under the wing, as Ramsey is, of arguably the greatest midfielder the Premier League has ever produced, I mean, I would probably go skulls ahead of him, but you know, <laughs> tomato tomato you're starting to get very very excited and I'm trying to think who was the last central midfielder we have to score this kind of these kind of goals in the Premier League you spoke about Harahan obviously Harahan never got those kind of numbers in the in the Premier League I'm probably going back to, to when James Milner was playing central midfield mm. yeah for Villa under yeah. Martin O'Neill yeah what are we going back there 12 years yeah. 13 years yeah I think he got 10 didn't he when he was pl- in that that year when he played Played in the centre. And he was on penalties, if I'm not mistaken, and free kicks, whereas Jacob Ramsey is not on penalties or free kicks. So we haven't had a penalty for ages, actually. So, again, once you start to get into that rarefied air, once you start to be a midfield player who can contribute double figures, you're in really, really strong territory. So all the best to to Jacob Ramsey. Um, I'm really overwhelmingly delighted I think he has been certainly the surprise package of, of the season in terms of in terms of certainly in terms of our, our youth our youth players uh, what a wonderful credit he is to the Aston Villa youth system to all the coaches that, that have worked with him and also a credit to Dean Smith uh, Dean Smith who saw something in this lad you know before any of us before any of us did yeah sure and played him last year in the in the Premier League where he was a little bit vanilla as you said Andy uh, gave him his debut against uh, West Brom, I believe, in the championship when we were 2-0 two, two down to give him a run out. So Dean Smith believed in him. Steven Gerrard believes in him. And um, Jacob Ramsey has made a believer out of me. Yeah, and, and Phil Coutinho obviously believes in him as well. Oh, yeah. Sticking those, uh, those gorgeous passes through for him, you know, which uh, which he lapped up. Which And, and, and that, that gives... That gives um, the other players confidence in him as well, doesn't it? If they know he's going to... He's gonna you know, be on point with his finishing, which is where where maybe um, Mr. Watkins is falling down at the minute. But we'll, we'll, we'll come on to him 
in a little while, but I think it's it's possibly time for a word for our our sponsors, Craig. Oh, it is, it is. We had lots of wonderful, wonderful feedback for the for the ad last week, the Manscaped read. So thank you uh, for enjoying it. Um, but we do have exciting news uh, from our friends at Manscaped who have just launched their fourth generation performance package. The ultimate package includes the lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0 Manscaped. Manscaped are the leaders in male grooming and they've done it again to make your grooming game next level. So you can join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by going to www.manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P. Now, I've spoke a lot about Magaluf. You may be thinking about booking a summer getaway. Maybe you're thinking of going to Magaluf. Maybe you're thinking of going to Cyprus. Maybe you're thinking of going to Ibiza. I don't know where you're going. But wherever you're going, if you're going to be out on the pool, if you're going to have a couple of jars like old Andy and uh, Daniel <laughs> at Villa Park, if you're going to have six or seven beers <laughs> and you're going to want to uh, meet some of the locals and, 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 and rendezvous, then you are going to need the Performance Package 4.0 packed in your suitcase. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. Ryanair might want to charge you for bringing on a suitcase, but you just got to do it because you need to make sure that your package, your bulls and everything is good to go for your summer trips. And also, let's not forget, it is Valentine's Day next week, which is a time where lots of us, lots of us get a little bit of nookie. So don't remember, don't forget to get 20% off and free shipping with the code LAMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP at www.manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. Treat them with the best tools for the job from Manscaped. Thanks, Craig. And just a disclaimer um, while we're there, I, I was out having a few pints, but I definitely was not on the pool. <laughs> but yeah well so sometimes sometimes andy when you're as good looking as you and daniel are you you, you don't need to be on the pool sometimes the, the pool just comes to you you are you, you're not on the pool you are the pool <laughs> okay <fair enough. laughs> it's very nice of you to say um i'm not sure it's true uh, <laughs> but we'll just have a a, a quick word for a for a um a departing hero now following defeat at the African Cup of Nations with, with Egypt. Um, it was confirmed that Trezeguet has joined Turkish side Istanbul Bajek Seher. <laughs> I said it fine earlier. Um, on loan until the end of the <laughs> sure season. It's a shame um, Dan isn't here for this one as well. Um, but a quick word for Trezeguet and his, his, his fluctuating Villa career to date. Yeah, uh, fluctuating like a... Like like a like an erection on a night out after seven <laughs> beers and Magaluf. All right, that is the last Magaluf re- reference. Um, no, um, it, th- I mean this is really Daniel's job. Jan- Daniel uh, Betridge should be eulogising the Asabula career of, of Trezeguet. Um, I watched the Afcon final um, on uh, last Sunday, and it was about as dreadful a game as you can imagine. Uh, it seems that uh, Egypt had a bit of the uh, Tony Pulis, Steve Bruce about them, and were just trying to park the bus and spoil, and they weren't trying to play any kind of football. I felt bad for Trezeguet afterwards. He was in floods of tears. Um, 
you know, I uh, I think he was. It, it seemed as though he was saying uh, to his uh, to 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 one of one of the, the the people consoling him that this was the second African Cup of Nations final that he's lost, which which it is. Terribly sorry for Trez, a really good guy. I, I would publicly thank Trezeguet um, uh, as a Villa fan for being instrumental in keeping us up in Project Restart, those goals against Arsenal, the two against Crystal Palace, as well as his performances in that particular run, I think will be the highlight of of, of, of Trezeguet's Aston Villa career. Um, having said that, I do not believe that Trezeguet is anywhere near good enough to be a, a top half of the Premier League player, never mind a top six of the Premier League player. So um, it, it is probably time for him to move on to pastures new, but he, he goes with my, 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 my blessings, my well wishes. He seems like a, a wonderful man. And um, I hope that he um, has all the best in, in his future career. I really, really want him to do well I'm really you know I really do quite like the, the guy he seems like a great man yeah I certainly think that um, and I was talking to Dan about this last night and we, we were <laughs> I bet you were we were agreeing that um, you know despite the you know some some dodgy performances and the, the idea of whether he's good enough or not um, some players just bring with them a certain skill set um, we would you 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 um, uh, brought up about Nakamba, you know the the, the old goldfish argument. You know, yeah. um, you know it's about getting the best out of a player's skill set, isn't it? And I think Dean Smith did that to a large degree with with Trezeguet. You know, he he's he was never going to be like Jack Grealish on the other side. You know, but he proved that if you need someone at the back post, you'd want it to be Trezeguet, wouldn't you? Because there's <laughs> you a would. very good chance he's going to score. Um, you know, he had it was those those four really important goals. The the three you mentioned, the the one in the in the um, semi final against Leicester in the last minute, which which got, put us to Wembley. Which again, you know, it, it kind of it kind of summed up that 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 period um, under Dean Smith where anything was really possible, and he was part of that. He's been part of that. Um, I think he had a, a little. Spell last season just before he got injured. Um, I know he got a couple of goals in an important win against um, against Fulham as well, and then yeah, very nearly scored an absolute worldie at Anfield, and and then he got he got injured. So um, ultimately, the the most important thing is that the the player's recovery and having just come back from an incredibly serious injury, he has to play to get his fitness up. Otherwise, he will stagnate like like Wesley did. Um, so he's got to he's got to play, um, and this gives him the opportunity to do that because, with the best will in the world, he's competing with uh, Buendia, Coutinho, Bailey, and Traore, really, isn't he? For for a, a space in the in the front three. So um, unless he does um, transform his game and and that sort of thing, he's 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 going to be well down the pecking order. So I'm pleased that he's gone on loan. Anything's possible. You know, he might be back. We might need him. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's around the corner. Um, but yeah, absolute. You know, a Villa hero, and I think someone that will go down as a as a bit of a cult hero um, for the goals he scored and, and and what it meant for the club at the time as well. You know, someone that's that certainly you can. I mean, that that season you can people you can talk about Hawkeye. You can talk about Jack Grealish. You know the the man 
that did most to keep us up, I felt, was 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 Trezeguet in that run, and um, he he was he was absolutely excellent. So um, yeah, all the best to him. Hope he does really well there, and um, and and you know maybe see him in the summer. Um, I, I will mention it's another loan. I think that's nineteen loans now <laughs> uh, for Aston Villa. So we now have not only a full eighteen, but also someone to kind of you know carry the water um, on out on loan. So it would be nice if we could get a transfer fee for Trezeguet, uh, but you know maybe we can't. Yeah, well, so we'll, see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see it what the <laughs> But I think he'd be again. You know, he'd be he'd be ideal for a, a team coming up. Um, from the championship, you know he's got yeah. that experience um, of, of of you know playing in a team that's that's battling, and he is a fighter. He's definitely he a fighter. is a real. He, th- th- um, th- that is worth mentioning as well. He is a real fighter. He fights for he he gives it everything he has got, and 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 you can't really ask any more. He's not. He doesn't have the talent, but it's not for a lack of effort and work rate. You know what a committed player he, he, he has been but we'll be looking for a bit of that Trezeguet commitment on, on Sunday as uh, Gerard takes his team to face Newcastle who were probably the busiest of the uh, of the teams in the transfer window as their new oil baron owners uh, began to flex their financial muscle it was a, a, a strong start um, to the new era as, as Eddie Howe's men beat Everton 3-1 at St James's Park last time out and they will be on a high uh, going into this one. With all the new signings, their danger man remains Alan St. Maximin, who um, has been the bright spark in an otherwise turgid season uh, for the Toon. Gerard will be hoping that Knox to Coutinho and Buendia aren't too bad, and he may even be able to uh, call on uh, Bertrand Traore and Leon Bailey um, as they're, they're, they're back. They should be back with the, the, the first team. Edry Konza obviously will miss the match through suspension, so there could be an opportunity for Callum Chambers to make his first start. Whilst the big call could be up front um, after another anonymous performance from Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings could could get the call. Um, you know, can you see Watkins keeping his place again, or will the presence of Danny Ings be too much to resist for Gerard? Um, I would like to see Danny Ings given given a chance. I know that we have been really critical of the partnership all season because the partnership has been absolutely awful um, between <laughs> Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins. I think most Villa fans agreed it needed to be an either-or situation. And Watkins is having a bit of a goal drought. He doesn't really look like scoring. He certainly didn't look like scoring against Leeds. Uh, Watkins... I'm not having any anyone say he doesn't work hard. A bit like a bit like Trezeguet, you know that Watkins is going to give it his all, um, even if he doesn't quite have the the, the technique or the ability. Um, always, he is never going to going to hide. He's always going to he's he's, he's always going to be a trier. But when we're seeing the majesty of Coutinho, when we're seeing the majesty of Buendia, and when we're seeing those kind of through balls and those kind of opportunities that those guys can create. I would think that Danny Ings' movement and Danny Ings' finishing could be, as you put it, too much to resist. Um, I don't think this is going to be a Newcastle team that dominate the ball. 
So I think it's going to be those, we're going to have opportunities to have those intricate passing movements in the final third. And it's going to be about who makes the cleverest runs, who does, who can do the quicker one-twos and who can be on the end of a chance and who's got ice in their veins to finish the chance. And at the two of them, I think this game suits Danny Ings. I would like to see him being given an opportunity from, from the start and with, you know, with uh, uh, Buendia and Coutinho supplying the, the bullets, you would you'd back in just maybe to, to to grab a couple of goals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's kind of looking like that now. He, Watkins just looked sort of a shadow of himself, really. Um, you know, and he, he didn't look happy out there at all. He was he was a bit lost. I felt um, he didn't really celebrate with the team for the for 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 one of Ramsey's goals. I think there was one where perhaps he felt the pass was on for him. Um, so you know it's 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 um it's a tricky one. You know, we all love Ollie Watkins. Um you know, he's just one of those success stories at Villa. But it just feels like he's plateaued a bit this season. He's not kicked on in the way that we thought and you know there might be reasons for that. Obviously he's um he's he's a family man now. Um you know, but lots of footballers are family men, aren't they? And um but he's also for the first time, you know, perhaps had some competition and uh, with Danny Ings coming in, it might have unsettled him a, a little bit where it was possibly meant to have the other effect of, you know, giving him a, that push to, to, to be, to be even better or to have a, have a, a foil to play with almost, but the, the front two just, just hasn't worked as a, as a combination. And, um, I don't know. I, I I fear I fear for Watkins a little bit. Um, I want him to do really well. I want him to 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 go on to another level. But to do that, I think, and to do that in Gerard's team, he's going to have to score more than once every five or six games. He's you know, Gerard has said he wants a one in two man. You know, Gerard has played with with Luis Suarez, who was pretty much a two in one man. So it's. Um, you know, he 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 knows the importance of having a striker who can, who can you know, get the lion's share of the goals. And um, I don't, I just don't think Watkins is is in that is in that category. Whereas Danny Ings has been yeah. in that category very much so. Hasn't he, he? Yeah, Danny Ings clearly the, the 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 better finisher. That that finish in a game that we went on to lose against uh, Brentford. Where, where was it? Brentford. Brentford. Yeah, I mean that. We said at the time that's you know Watkins doesn't score that in a month of Sundays. With all due respect to Holly Watkins, although that wasn't a very respectful phrase, um, Danny Ings is is at his best is 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 an incredible finisher. You know, in terms of English finishers in the Premier League, not too many better than him. You know, Harry Kane accepted. He he's got to be one of the best English finishers in the Premier League. So, um, and this is what I said earlier. I like competition for places. I said I like it that Ezri Konza has someone breathing down his neck. I like that Ollie Watkins has Danny Ings breathing down his neck. This is why you build a squad. Watkins, you've, 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 you've not been firing for us. Danny, you're in. Have a chance. Let's see. You, you, you're going to lose something in terms of hustle and bustle and work rate uh, with, with Watkins. But playing Newcastle, even with their improvements, you'd like to think that Villa would be able to dominate the ball a little bit more. And you'd like to think again that we can have those intricate passing movements and Danny Ings can capitalise on those. I am reading and I am hearing whispers, Andy. And I wonder if you heard any whispers when you had your ear to the ground yesterday with Daniel. 
the deal for Watkins to leave is 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 agreed in principle, and he is out the door in the summer. Well, I have. Have you heard I, these things I, I too? Haven't, I haven't heard anything um, about that. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in him, isn't there? Um, from, from you're in the no Andy. Come on, <laughs> I know you I'm know. Certainly not. I'm certainly not. No, I, I I haven't heard anything is agreed. I expect, you know, it's a, there's a good chance he'll go, um, and I think it would be an optimum time to sell him. Um, really, you know, if he's not really fit, how much in would with Gerard, you? How much would you want for him? Seventy million at least. 70 and who million. do you think would pay that? Uh, oh, Tottenham. Tottenham, maybe Tottenham. Arsenal, maybe. maybe. If the bid was Certainly seventy, if goes. If if the bid was seventy million, I, I you know I would um I I think I would um I would we'll, we'll say sixty sixty for sure you know because he's I I I I I think um strikers English strikers particularly appreciate very quickly in value. They do, um, and he's certainly uh, from a championship striker who commanded a, a fee of thirty million. I would say he's doubled that at least um, since he's been at Villa and got an England, um, got some England recognition and a goal. Um, so I th- yeah, sixty to seventy million for Watkins, and then you take that sixty um, million, fly over to Rome, and slap it on the table for Tammy Abraham. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I, I would, I would, yeah. Or well, we'll see. We'll see, unless they've got any anything else up their sleeves. But I would, I'd love to see Tammy back at Villa, as as, as anyone who knows me the, uh, knows. The the problem that I'm having with 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 Watkins is I'm not sure that he's a natural fit because I don't with Coutinho and Brindia because I'm not sure he is at the kind of I don't think he's on that kind of wavelength. I think there is a wavelength issue. I think Watkins is is thinking different thoughts. Dan, you know, it's like, you know, it's like uh, Brendia and Coutinho have come from the penthouse and Watkins is kind of the scrappy kind of fighter who's fighting his way up to that level. So I'm not sure in a footballing terms, they're speaking the same language. Now, would Gerard's system, in Gerard's system, I think you you need that that front player to almost be a bit of a Firmino type someone who knits it all together, someone who can do the back heels and the tricks and flicks, someone who can score some goals, but also someone who can see the runs and things like that. And I'm just not sure, maybe the disconnect, maybe the reason that Watkins is frustrated is because whereas the team last season was maybe set up a little bit more towards his strengths with with Grealish and getting chances into him and he was more the fulcrum, uh, obviously, secondary to Grealish, you'd probably say that, that that Watkins was the second most important outfield player last season. I would say that anyway. Whereas now, is he the fourth, fifth most important outfield player? I mean, he's certainly way down in terms of how this system operates. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with Ollie Watkins. I think that it could be just an adaptation period, but certainly we can agree that it hasn't been working for him. And I, and, and in answer to your question, I do believe that Danny Ings deserves a, an opportunity to start against Newcastle. Yeah, I think I think that will possibly happen, and that will be a big call. I think to 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 drop Watkins, possibly the first time he'll have been dropped um, since he joined the club. Um, so b- predictions then, um, what are you saying for this one? If if Aston Villa leave the kind of spaces 
that we left for Leeds, I predict that Alain St. Maximum will tear us a new one. And he will have an absolute field day in those kind of spaces. With Shelby as well. Shelby has major limitations. Talk about a goldfish of a player. Shelby is about as unathletic as you'll find. But if he has the ball in space, his passing range is, 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 is elite. He's just dreadful at everything else. So if you give space and time to Shelby on the ball and you have a runner like St. Maximum, I think it's a big, big problem and a big worry for Aston Villa because we look so porous and, and I think St. Maximum will exploit that. I hope that we are tighter, but Newcastle, for all their recent improvements, are not very good. They are fourth bottom of the Premier League table. I think they've only won two games all season and we should be going there for a win no ifs, ands, buts, or maybe. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 Aston Villa win for us to return to uh, some more solidity and for Danny Ings to pop up with a goal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I, was, I was wondering whether, um, you know, this game might be a bit more like the Everton game. You know, it'd be a bit more attritional and, um, you know, we'll be having to deal with a lot more um, diagonals into the penalty area. It may be a game for... For your boy Courtney um, to come in rather than rather than Callum Chambers, maybe I would play Courtney. Yeah, just because it's Chris Wood, I yeah. agree. I would play Courtney. Um, so that, that that that's a possible um, thing, and, and uh, you know we we defended well against Everton, you know. So um, I think I think we should have enough to beat them, you know. It's but it's like the old thing, and and, and obviously if if um, it, a lot depends on on the fitness of Wendia and and Coutinho and whether they can they're fit enough to start, um, and there might be a you know possibly a few changes. I think uh, was hinted, um, so we'll see. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be positive and I'm gonna go for a two one Villa win um, for this one, and that'll put us on thirty points, which is a, a bit of a milestone. So um, so that that would be that would be all good. Um, but thanks to everyone uh, for listening. Thanks to Craig for joining me uh, today. And um, obviously, if you're heading up to Newcastle, hope it's uh, hope it's warm up there for you and uh, up in that stand. <laughs> it's a long way from the pitch. Um, but have a great day. Uh, we'll be back next week to um, review the game um, and, and preview the next one, which I've forgotten what it is. <laughs> um, but never mind. Um, so until then... Stay safe and up the villa.